whether it was the knee injury or the this or the that, when you look back, those moments are defining, mm-hmm. you know, it really yeah. is how do you respond to those moments yeah. and take those experiences that are perceived to be negative, perce- how do you know? Yeah. 10 yeah. years later, you'd be like, that's the greatest thing ever happened to me. I got divorced and I met this person. I had three kids and my, my career took off because, yeah. you know, whatever. Right. I mean, it could be whatever you right. think at the moment, which allows you to have grace. Today's guest on the Gravity Podcast is Tim Ryan. Tim passionately served the working families in Northeast Ohio's 13th Congressional District in the United States Congress for 20 years. And through his work, he brought back over $1 billion to help transform the economic and cultural landscape of Northeast Ohio. He's largely credited for leading the economic transformation of that region and doing so after years of disinvestment and neglect. And more importantly, I'm really honored to have the time to spend with Tim. He's a friend. He's an incredible human being. He's got really a lot of depth and you'll find he's involved in a lot of different mindfulness practices and you can hear how he arrived into that world and just kind of the the holistic approach to politics and to serving, which, you know, I've always been drawn to and super impressed with. So I hope you enjoy the interview. Thank you. All right. We are here on the Gravity Podcast with my friend, Tim Ryan. Tim, it's awesome to see you and I appreciate you taking the time and always fun to be with you. Yeah, it is. And you know, you've been to Gravity and we've done some stuff here before. And I think just from the initial meeting, you know, I was always really impressed with you and, and kind of your approach to life really, but how that translates into your work and to politics, I think is really refreshing and unique and something that I felt, you know, really excited by. And I know a lot of other people did too. And, you know, you've been out there, you're, you're certainly known in the, in the world of politics in Ohio and, and across the country you know, stood on some, some big stages and, and still do. And yet I don't know how much people really know your, your full life story, which mm-hmm. is, you know, what gets us excited here at Gravity is trying mm-hmm. to show people, especially in politics, you know, I think it's interesting for people to really get how it's possible to end up in a, in a role with such influence, such potential. Mm-hmm. And, and so anyway, yeah, Thanks and and love to. Well, I feel the same about you, and I think it's important for people in different sectors of the economy and politics and government and NGOs and all the rest to have a a level of awareness of how the systems come together and how they have to interface with each other. Mm -hmm. It's not all one or all the other, but it's really this dance of who needs to take the lead on this, who needs to take the lead on that. How does this system function efficiently? How does this one? function efficiently and that starts with like open-hearted open mind conversations yeah so i appreciate you showing leadership from your side yeah well thank you and yeah i mean i think the open-hearted open mind boy that's something that we all really can practice and certainly i would imagine when you're in the business of really needing to lead people really trying to serve people you got to really be open to hearing yeah. what it is that they're feeling, needing, et cetera. And anyway, let's back up. I want to just kind of understand how you arrived at even that mindset of being so open-hearted, open-minded. And maybe you could just start by sharing a little bit about your kind of early childhood, your family, you know, where, where you're, where I know you're, you're Ohio born and, and raised, but, you know, yeah. talk to me a little bit about that, yeah, those think, days. I think, you know, like all of us, you know, you're, you're shaped by your surroundings, you know, nature and nurture. And I really grew up, you know, my parents had a complicated relationship when I grew up. So I was very much a part of the community that I was a part of my church, my school, Catholic schools growing up K through, you know, 12 and my my grandparents were two blocks away on my mom's side, very involved in the church. So it was really like sports and the church were the two like 
self-defining institutions around me and a lot of backyard sports and just kind of grew up playing athletics in, you know, I'll be 50. So this is 40 years ago, Mm -hmm. old school, Mm -hmm. you know, old school coaches, Mm -hmm. old school teachers, you know, the English teacher, you're diagramming sentences, Mm -hmm. you know, like, and the coaches would bust your ass, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, there was no abuse, but it was, it was tough love for Mm -hmm. sure. And, but it was, I was very much a part of the community. So I grew up with you know, this coach in fifth and sixth grade, Mr. Allett, you know, and then seventh and eighth grade, it was Rennie Pallone, who was the school teacher at Mount Our Lady of Mount Carmel. And then it was, you know, John Gillen, who basically started John F. Kennedy High School in Warren, Ohio for years and years and years. Old school guy, army guy, he used to drive around in like an old mash cheap. <laughs> <laughs> like he would yeah. drive that to school. I mean, that's yeah. how old school we're talking. Yeah. But very much a part of the, I was part of all of this. And, and then the service piece like came out of the Catholic school. It wasn't like, you know, you tell like some young people today about, well, I'm Catholic. And they're like, eh, you know, cause it's abortion and it's the rules, it's mm-hmm. the dogma. Mm-hmm. And uh, back then it was none of that. Mm-hmm. It was like, what's, what's being Catholic. It's you love each other. Mm-hmm. You love your enemy, you social gospel, you're out in the community. You know, mm-hmm. when I was in, in high school, I was a quarterback of the football team. You had to put on your football jersey and you'd do senior service. Like you'd go to the nursing homes, you'd mm-hmm. go to the elementary schools. And it was, you were a leader in the community. So you put your jersey on. So then you were leading and you would go and read to the kids or help mm-hmm. at the nursing home or whatever it was. But it was about the social gospel. It was about serving other people. And that, you know, just looking back when you get a little bit older and then get a little gray hair and, mm-hmm. you know, you have transitions in your life like I'm having now, boy, you look back and you're like, man, that was really defining mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. You know, that yeah. really is got embedded in my DNA. Yeah, it's interesting because I think it is oftentimes a look back, right? You know, when yeah. you're young and you're experiencing it, you're not thinking yeah. about it, just all you know. Right. And, you know, it, and it's an interesting way to frame the religious piece too. You know, it's, it's kind of refreshing to hear. The, all the good <laughs> yeah. that, you know, comes from what's underneath. A lot of that's gotten lost. You yeah, know? it narrows. And I think it's a, it's society has been narrowing. And you think of this in the context of like the 60s and like, we're going to go to the moon. That was like an expansive mm-hmm. idea of the country, of the world. There was no limitations. And it was, you know, and civil rights and these other programs taking care of the poor and this and that came out of that expression. And then like now it seems like a narrowing of mm-hmm. we're going to, the fear leads to the narrowing mm-hmm. of now we're, okay, what are the rules yeah. that are going to keep me safe? Like, what are the rules that are going to make me feel secure? Mm-hmm. And I think that's generally kind of where we're living right now is in the fear, the narrowness mm-hmm. and religions reflect that, which is why I like Pope Francis, because he's, Mm-hmm. You know, people want to come in and change the rules. Like, well, the Pope is really about changing the view and the tone and mm-hmm. the inflection, and then hopefully the rules, mm-hmm. the rules follow mm-hmm. after mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Let let's we can. I'd like to come back to that, but you know, you mentioned your parents had a complicated relationship, and I'm curious to learn a little bit more about kind of what the family dynamics were. Yet there's community. Mm-hmm coaches, mentors, role yeah. models, discipline with the sports. You're learning a lot. Yeah. What was, what was going on at home? So my parents got divorced, was, you know, kind of a lot of drama involved. And my mom's parents lived about two blocks down. They were Italian. My dad was Irish. Mm-hmm. And so, and then my dad kind of like thought it was best to kind of check out a little bit. And, you know, we have since in the last 10 years, my wife, literally, when we got married about 10 years ago, went and sat down with my dad and my stepmom. And we're like, how, how do I heal this mm-hmm. relationship? And my dad's my guy. Mm-hmm. Like, like we have really healed the relationship. But back then, it was very much drama. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he felt like it was way too much drama that it was affecting my brother and I. Mm-hmm. That maybe it was best as heartbreaking as it was for him. Mm-hmm to maybe not be around because it caused so much conflict. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of blame to go around, I think, for everybody. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, relationships are complicated. Yeah. They were both old school. My mom was old school. Mm-hmm. Like, so when they got divorced, I think she grew up Catholic and all that. And that mm-hmm. never entered her mind that 
you know, she would get divorced. And so I think there was a lot of trauma there for her mm -hmm. and her identity mm -hmm. that, that she got wrapped up in. And she loved me and my brother, but, you know, that wasn't probably the most healthy way to handle it. You sure, know? Like, sure. you know, my brother got divorced and then it's like, he still goes over to his ex-wife's home for like Easter dinner the other night. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> you know, just right. so the kids all know. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's very healthy yeah. in that regard. But we didn't have that. And yeah. so that, I think, drove me to kind of look for father figures. Mm -hmm. And I looked for them in my coaches. And mm -hmm. I found them. And I found a lot of good ones. Mm -hmm. And even growing up, I, I guess I had brainwashed myself into thinking like, this is really cool because I could take like the best attributes of Coach Allett. Mm -hmm. I could take the best attributes of Coach Pallone and mm -hmm. this and that, and mm -hmm. I don't have to go home and live with them and deal with them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. like I could right. take, right. I go home and be with my mom and she'll love me and cook me dinner and pasta and like love me up, yeah. you know? Yeah. But I could take. And so I, that really kind of drove me to like male role models. And, and as I got older, it became, you know, outside of my community, Larry Bird. What's he do? Like, how do I learn from this guy? Mm -hmm. You know, what was his work ethic? Mm -hmm. Bernie Kosar, mm -hmm. you know, as a young person, mm -hmm. those were my, mm -hmm. then it became Phil Jackson. And so it'd be a turn of the conversation here. Mm -hmm. Like I remember watching these high performing athletes and as you know, I was going to quarterback the Browns. So mm -hmm. like, I wanted to know as much as I could about these yeah. folks. And, you know, Phil Jackson, he was doing all this meditation and stuff mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. his team. I was like, what is this all about? Mm -hmm. This is interesting. Mm -hmm. You get Michael Jordan to do this shit? Mm -hmm. <laughs> what's, what's he doing? Mm -hmm. And so I, I read Phil Jackson's book called Sacred Hoops. Mm -hmm. And within that book was the books he read that drove him and moved him into this world. Mm -hmm. And it was Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind. Mm -hmm. um, and that's how I got Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of like off and running. Mm. How old were you when you started down that path? I probably... Maybe in late high school, maybe mm -hmm. now, probably, probably in the college, very early mm -hmm. years of college, mm -hmm. I think I started yeah. getting down that road. And then I, um, I started talking about it to a friend of mine and he said, well, you should meet Father Crumley because he, I was just at the rectory with him and he was teaching me centering prayer, which mm. is the Catholic, uh, Christian based, basically mantra based prayer. Mm -hmm. You'd say Jesus over and over again, or love over and over again. Mm -hmm. It was a bit, pretty mantra based, and uh, or lectio divino, they would call it. You would take a little piece of scripture, two mm -hmm. or three words of scripture, and you would say it over and over again as a mantra, and then drop into your relationship with God. And it was like that's where it was all kind of coming together, mm -hmm. and that was the beginning of the journey, really, for me on the contemplative side. Interesting, yeah. So uh, I can relate to some of that. You know, I think it's sort of a and maybe it's even more specific. You know, I grew up in Akron and, you know, big Cleveland sports guy. Yeah, yeah. So we have that in Got common. Got scars to prove it, right? So that's a whole traumatic thing by <laughs> yeah. itself, right? My why do you meditate? I was a Browns fan. Yeah, I had to, right? And, and, you know, my parents also divorced when I was 10. And, you know, there was a lot around that, you know. And we moved here. And so, you know, my dad wasn't in my day-to-day -day life. So I can relate to a lot of, you know, what you're saying. Sports also, you know, big thing for me. Mm -hmm. And and so a lot of this, I think, feels sort of of our, we're similar in age, you know, mm -hmm. it's of our generation. Divorce was not a common thing then, mm -hmm. you know, especially if you're, you know, Catholic, mm -hmm. these things are, are, you know, not looked on favorably, frowned upon. Frowned yeah. upon. It's different today, like you said, with your brother. I mean, mm -hmm. divorce is a very different thing today than it was in the 80s. Yeah. And so before we kind of jump into the mindfulness piece, I am kind of curious, you know, kind of the, the, the work that maybe you were doing or if there were, you know, any kind of trauma scars or, you know, stuff that, you know, kind of got into you. I mean, you talked about the the good stuff, the mm -hmm. coaches, the role models, mm -hmm. the, you know, the homemade food and love, right? Yeah. And there's a lot there, I'm sure. Yeah. But, you know, you know, was there, was there some struggle in there too with all that? Of course. Uh, I drove my pain into athletics. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, yeah. I just, that's what 
drove me and I see that as I, you know, watch and learn about other athletes or high performers, a lot of times movie stars, whoever, there's a lot of pain in there mm-hmm. that you're masking, you're trying to avoid. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to shovel the driveway and go play basketball, you know, and mm-hmm. figure this out. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I don't know if you're like, you know, I was what I can't remember what I was watching the other day. I think it was a, a podcast with like Ryan Holiday, who mm-hmm. does a lot of stoicism yeah, stuff. And yeah. it was just like, you know, you're chasing your dad's affection. Mm-hmm. It's like sometimes you're really doing that, mm-hmm. like in, in our, you know, maybe our circumstances. And so how do I, and I didn't know that at the time. It was just like, I'm in pain and I'm going to go outside because I love basketball mm-hmm. and I want to do good and do well. And I mm-hmm. was taught to work hard. So I'd shovel the driveway in the middle of the winter and shoot hoops or. I would hang, uh, I would hang the tire on the swing in my neighbor's mm-hmm. backyard, and I'd throw the football through it, mm-hmm. and the lights on, you know. And so I masked it or used it, and drove it drove me in in these other ways. And then, you know, really, it was probably years later. Like I kind of knew it was there. I never really dealt with it. I don't think in any significant way, you know, until I started to get into, you know, and this was, you mm-hmm. know, 15 years ago, maybe, mm-hmm. where I really started to get into meditation, mm-hmm. breath work. Mm-hmm. I was doing some work and I had a couple big like releases with doing work with veterans. Mm-hmm. It was a, it's called a Power Breath Workshop Through the Art of Living, Sri mm-hmm. Sri Ravi Shankar's group. They have, they've adapted some of this. Eastern breathing uh, practices, pranayama, most people would know it through mm-hmm. yoga, but like really intense stuff. They created a workshop for veterans to mm-hmm. heal their trauma. And I went through it a few times. Mm-hmm. And I remember like the first time I went through it, like just broke down and cried. And it was like 30 years mm-hmm. of shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, boom. There it was. There yeah. it was. Yeah. And I kind of intellectually like kind of figured it out. Right. But I was still really holding it in my body. Yeah. It's a different know? thing to know it versus you know hold it in the body and body it yeah it's they're two different things that's yeah. interesting your back hurts mm-hmm. you know i had mm-hmm. i've had like chronic back issues and yeah I, you know look back mm-hmm. yeah well what was that yeah <laughs> yeah well body keeps the score thanks you know? mom thanks right, Dad. Right, right. Um, <laughs> but but boy you know it's fascinating to me that the phil jackson book you know kind of jumps off the shelf and starts to shift things for you and what I'm, what I'm intrigued by, because I, I kind of see you this way. I mean, even hearing you talk about, you know, the, the, the teachers and yoga and meditation and mindfulness and knowing that you live that, you're not the typical, you know, politician, male, athlete, <laughs> you know, Catholic, uh, you know, Northeast Ohio guy, right? right. Like, but, but what's. But you're a human being, right? And you have experiences in life that land in the body, that affect who you are, that mm-hmm. fuel you or, or hold you back or whatever. Yeah. And so, so you're an important person because you're just like so many others, yeah. right? And so when you talk about the work with the vets, the vets need a voice like yours, right? right? People need a voice like yours. I've had this experience too, where I've talked about stuff publicly, trauma and in the business community and environments where people don't typically talk about it. Mm-hmm. And what was so striking to me is that like, how many people are like, thank you. I, I'm just like that too. Right. And so, you know, it sort of feels like divine, you know, intervention, this book lands in your lap yeah. of a voice that you can hear. Yeah. Right. And today you're that for so many people, but I don't know, maybe yeah. elaborate on it. Yeah. I mean, I think really I grew up with that worldview, you know, you know, my, my mom, you know, again, very Catholic, but not very dogmatic, but Mm -hmm. very spiritual in the sense that a lot of, lot of time praying the rosary, Mm -hmm. it's meditation, right? right? It's a mantra based meditation that has, you know, lasted this long, something to it. And so it was very spiritual. My mom would say things like the Lord works in mysterious ways. Mm-hmm. You know, God works in mysterious ways. Mm-hmm. And there was always this kind of sense of, you know, you'd say, well, was, was Jesus really a human? And was he God's child? You know, these mm-hmm. questions you would ask. And the priests would say, it's a mystery. Mm-hmm. It's a mystery. Mm-hmm. It's okay to embrace mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. kind of unknown. Mm-hmm. 
in you know when you're young and then you get on the track and like well i kind of want to know what the unknown is but mm -hmm. there was an unknown there mm -hmm. not that this is the rule damn it and mm -hmm. you follow it or you're going to go to hell mm -hmm. you know what i mean mm -hmm. for pete's sake right mm -hmm. and so that kind of divinity divine mm -hmm. path um i always felt like i was supposed to do something unique you mm -hmm. know and my in in my role models growing up were Bernie Kosar. Mm -hmm. like, what the fuck's this guy doing in mm -hmm. the NFL? Right. 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 But he's like the best, right? right? I mean, he didn't he didn't blow the drive. He didn't blow the fumble. He drives before those yeah. drives. Was Bernie Kosar producing at the highest level? Yeah. Maximum pressure. Yeah. Delivering every time. Right. You know? Right. Um, but like what's he doing there? What's Larry Bird doing there? Mm -hmm. You know, like I was always like kind of the maverick, the the mm. person who wasn't like supposed to the underdog. You were struck by that. I just, that was, right, you know, yeah. but I knew I was like, I was on a path for that. I was okay with that. I was really always okay with, mm -hmm. you know, when I, when I was in Congress and I went on meditation retreat, power mindfulness with John Kabat-Zinn blew my mind, mm -hmm. like absolutely blew my mind. Mm -hmm. And I walked out of there and I talked to John and I said, man, this is unbelievable. Mm -hmm. I said, we need this in healthcare. We need this in schools. We, our kids need this, our vets, blah, blah, blah. And he mm -hmm. says, well, there's people in all these fields that are doing this and they're doing research in this. And I mm -hmm. said, I'm going to write a book about this. Mm -hmm. So you could imagine when I went to my chief of staff and my, my political team and I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm going to write a book. And they're like, that's a great idea. Mm -hmm. What are you going to write about? And I'm yeah. like, meditation. And they're like, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> somebody pulled this. Right. <laughs> and but I was, I was doing it. Yeah. No one was going to tell me, yeah. you know, and I'm very stubborn in that way yeah. too. Like I'm doing it. Yeah. Like, and just like get on board. Yeah. It is sort of something that I think if you can recognize that that's who you are, it's really powerful. Yeah. You know, when we started building our communities and started talking about having, you know, TM introductions in the community or landmark forum or mm -hmm. any of the kind of woo woo stuff that, you know, people weren't accustomed to seeing on a, on a pro forma, yeah, you know, yeah. a banker was like, okay, that's cool. <laughs> but how much rent are you charging? You know, but you know, there is something there. It's, you know, kind of who you are, which is like, I'm, this is my thing and I'm going to be unique and different in the world yeah. and approach this yeah. in this sort of maverick way. Totally. But tell me before we go down the path of the book and, and, and that any further, I want to hear how you got into politics. You know, you're, you're, you think you're going to take over for Bernie or, or Brian Sipe or <laughs> you know, yeah. the quarterback, you know, in the day, but, and, and you played college sports, right? You played college yeah. football. Yeah. A little bit, a little bit. And, and, and so how does your path get on the, on the political track? So I went to Youngstown state when Trestle was there, he recruited me and I was quarterback and that was going to be, you know, that was the path. And I was there that summer and we were, I think in the August and we started scrimmaging the old turf, like mm -hmm. the old, old turf. So 1991 turf. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And uh, this blew the shit out of my knee, mm. you know, ACL, meniscus, blah, blah, blah. Still got the, you know, old school scar. Mm. It's not like the guys from like 70s or 80s where they like got bit by a shark. Right, right. <laughs> it's, it's, but it's big. Yeah. Um, and I just lost, I just lost my desire, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. I just kind of lost the edge that yeah. I think that you definitely need. And I was just like, I just. To play at that level, if you don't have the fire in your belly, mm -hmm. you know, it's just better off not playing and, you yeah. know, and, and sometimes like that's, that was maybe a moment where I wish my dad was involved mm. because it would be like, fuck you, you're, you're staying, uh -huh. you're going to give it one more year. Mm -hmm. Maybe you can't, mm -hmm. but you're going to stay. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I rehabbed it and I did come back and I played in one game, you know, but I. You know, I just lost my, mm -hmm. you know, and yeah. I don't know if somebody would have kicked me in the ass and said, this is what life's about. You mm -hmm. got to stay. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, my, all my buddies were at Bowling Green. Mm -hmm. And so I was just like, kind of lost the edge. And I just like was, I'm going to go in the bowl, go to Bowling Green, mm -hmm. go hang out with my guys. And, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and that was really tough. That was a very, that was a, that was like 
an identity crisis, mm -hmm. not looking again, looking back on it was like, I was going to be the Browns quarterback. Mm -hmm. Like I convinced myself of shit like that. Like I'm that's, that's the path. That's mm -hmm. where I'm going. Mm -hmm. And I think as you get older, that's fine. It's just, how do you smooth over those transitions when mm -hmm. you don't get what you want? Mm -hmm. Not that you have to necessarily give it up. I mean, in that regard, sometimes you do, but like you new worlds open up to you mm -hmm. and how do you gracefully try to, you know, just like what, Recent loss for Senate, and mm -hmm. they got to gracefully figure out how to move on. Um, and so that was that was pretty traumatic because that was my identity since mm -hmm. I was a boy and driving all that trauma into sports mm -hmm. that that became my identity. And then to lose that was was really difficult. I mean, I had to find my way, you mm -hmm. know. And and so I went to Bowling Green. My buddies were there. As soon as I got there, I joined their fraternity, Delta Tau Delta, and they had just gotten kicked off campus. Mm -hmm. So there was like this crisis within the, so I ran for president of the fraternity. That's how I was like, okay, what's the next phase here? And, mm -hmm. and as I was doing that, and all my buddies were in the fraternity from back home, mm -hmm. they all went to public school. I went to Catholic school, but they were my guys growing up. And anyway, so as I was doing the president of the fraternity, Joseph Campbell came into my life. The mythologist, sure. and he blew, he blew my mind. Oh yeah, and yeah, just journey. yeah, I mean, it was just like, yeah. you know, being Catholic. I re, we I was at a Delta Tau Delta convention in Atlanta because I was the president. We had to go down. It was called Carnia, and I'm in the hotel room, and 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 Joseph Campbell's on PBS. They had like they turned the TV on, and mm -hmm. PBS was the station they had on. And this mm -hmm. guy starts talking about virgin births. 13 years of Catholic school, right? Mm -hmm. Mary is virgin mother of the son of God. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so my virgin births, what's this guy talking about? And he was going through the motifs of any culture who has a story about a savior, the savior is born to a virgin. Shit. Mm -hmm. What is this? And that was the beginning. Like, who is this guy? Mm -hmm. You know? And I just... Mm -hmm. I got the power myth with mm -hmm. Bill Moyers and, 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 uh, you know, watch that a million different times mm -hmm. and follow your bliss and, mm -hmm. you know, consciousness and all of these things. And just, that was like the whole, this whole world opened up of mm -hmm. which mindfulness was like a component of that because he's how he spoke about, I was, I could just tell how he favored the East, mm -hmm. you know, and their view of the world. And their connection to nature and mm -hmm. the West's cutting off from nature that, you know, the original sin is like us being disconnected from our nature too. Mm -hmm. And I just it blew my mind. And so I was moving into this next phase and now I've got, you know, Joseph Campbell in my back pocket mm -hmm. and that just kind of like, and he was very much a maverick himself on how he thought and how he taught. And so that reinforced the Larry Bird, the Bernie Kosar, the Phil Jackson, do it differently. This guy's thinking way different than anybody I've ever heard in my life. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm with these guys, mm -hmm. you know, I'm with, I'm with these guys. Then I'm, then at the same time, I'm, you know, I'm starting to listen to Dave Matthews, mm -hmm. like Carpe Diem. Mm -hmm. They're, they're bootlegging tapes to get famous. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, people are just, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was like yeah. the original grassroots campaign. Sure. And so like that all just kind of in the early nineties, mid nineties, all just kind of came together. Mm. And that's when, I, and then I, I had in an internship in DC for mm. Jim Traficant, mm -hmm. very much a maverick, mm -hmm. landed him in prison, Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he was a very charismatic congressman up in Youngstown. Yeah delivered for his community very much like a Huey Long where the public is like in love with this guy yeah. behind the scenes. He thinks it's 1960. So he's still taking like 10,000 in cash. Right. Like, you know, there, and then you learn that was a big lesson for me too, is like, there are these people who they're very talented. They come out of an older era and the times changed. Yeah. They didn't, they don't change. Yet. So he's like, you know, 20 years before, eh. yeah. No one would have known. There's, you see a lot of that. You see a lot of, especially like the narrative that oh, everybody's doing it. And yeah. have been doing it forever. And yeah, you know. part of the job. Yeah. Part of the job. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. I'm sure you've seen more than that than you'd like to, to talk about or know, but tell me just one thing. 
why did you decide to be the president of the fraternity? I mean, just you step right in and you're and you want to be president, you know, yeah. what was in you? Do you remember? Was there something there that had you like, you know, feeling like you wanted to do this? It was just like thing. There was, it was like rudderless, you know? And I was like, I, I could figure this out. I mean, if I could run a college offense, I could figure out like, yeah. you know, how to, how to get these guys together. And <laughs> it was, I think it was like an oppor immediate opportunity that I saw to lead you know, because yeah. being a quarterback is very yeah. much about being leadership. So yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking, you know, just to, to connect those dots. I mean, even, you know, going back, and I don't know exactly, we were joking about this before we, we started recording, you know, how far back do you go with this? You know? <laughs> but it does seem like, you know, even to step into the quarterback role, you know, to, to want to do that. Now, sometimes that's like just the best athlete on the field, you know, ends up being quarterback. Yeah. But, but then you're there and you do need to lead. Everybody's yeah. looking at you. Yeah. You know, and so that, that becomes, or maybe always was who you are mm -hmm. is, is a leader. Yeah. And so I, I thought, you know, in my mind, I'm like, yeah, he's, of course he was going to just become president. Of the <laughs> and, 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 you know, and that seems, you know, maybe it's trivial to some people, frats, whatever, but like, you know, it ends up being, Again, you know, I don't know if it's divine intervention or what it is, but you're, now you're at a conference and the, and the TV's playing Joseph Campbell and, and, you know, your life just starts to really take shape yeah. by, you know, what some might say are random events, but, you know, it's hard to ignore the connectivity there. So another funny little piece of this whole thing is, <laughs> so, mm -hmm. you know, that Joseph Campbell blows my mind and now I'm on this track of like mystery and spirituality and you know follow your bliss and doors will open where there weren't any mm -hmm. you know and and nothing's a coincidence and so i get this book and don't know how i get it celestine prophecy i remember so there was a big one for me too yeah, yeah. I, pat, I mean i that had the whole fraternity reading that shit. yeah like it yeah. was like you guys got to read this yeah and it was like there's no coincidences mm -hmm. it was a big one and that everything was an energy exchange. Mm -hmm. You know, they had all the different chapters and one of them was like, everything's an energy exchange or information exchange. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was sitting at the, at the student union one time and we're eating some, you know, some chicken fingers or something. And, and one of my fraternity brothers comes up and he says, you got any information for me? And I go, no. And he's catch you later. <laughs> and it was like, everybody yeah. was on that, yeah, you know, yeah, on yeah. that thing. And yeah. so that yeah. was like, and then you do like, you look back and, and I just, think if there's anything for like young people to realize it's like whether it was the knee injury or the this or the that's like you when you look back those moments are defining mm -hmm. you know it really yeah. is how do you respond to those moments yeah and take those experiences that are perceived to be negative perceive how do you know yeah 10 yeah. years later you'd be like that's the greatest thing ever happened to me yeah. i got divorced and i met this person and i had three kids and my, my career took because yeah. you know whatever right. i mean it could be whatever you right. think at the moment which allows you to have grace, mm, mm -hmm. you know, allows you to have, you know, some grace. And there's, I don't know if there's a better word to describe, like going through mm -hmm. a difficult situation with some class, mm -hmm. with some dignity mm -hmm. and not trashing everybody in the mm -hmm. process mm -hmm. and screw you, screw you. And I, mm -hmm. I mean, if there's something missing today, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, I think it's like, you know, it's, it's the president losing a race and saying, mm -hmm. you know, 8 million people voted the other way. And right. it just sucks because I've never really lost in my life. So, right. you know, right. at least I never admitted that I lost, you know, right. but like, right, right. you know, it's just in grace. And, yeah. yeah. Just a little grace yeah. along the way. Yeah. Goes Boy, it sure does it. And it would be nice to see more of. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about, you know, kind of how your career does start to take off. You know, you're, 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 you're interning and, and now you're entering into your own political career. Talk a little bit about kind of, you know, the path and career in politics. Yeah. I didn't realize it at the time, like going back to the, you know, the, the high school, you know, I went to Kennedy high school. And so there was always this in the backdrop of president Kennedy, you know, martyred and, and this and that, but you know, it was pictures up in the school and, and, and there was a lot of reference to him as we were going through school. And, 
you know, that we had nuns then. They were wearing the habits and all the, the mm. online yards and the priests wore the collars. I mean, it was very much kind of old school. So being Catholic, being a Democrat, um, that was kind of, it was, it was about the leadership too that I came to realize when I was looking for another career opportunity as I, as I got into politics. I'm like, yeah, I like this Kennedy guy, you know, mm. I like what, I like what he was saying. We're going to go to the moon, we're going to do this, mm. very much leadership. And then as I, you know, did more and more research and, you know, just kind of going to school and learning about history, being in the, um, the Bay of Pigs mm-hmm. and saying, you know, I'm not telling, you know, he's in an auditorium of media mm-hmm. and they're, they're banging him hard, right? Why aren't you telling us? You're not telling us what's really going on. And he finally says, he says, I'm not telling you for very good reasons. He says, but this is not to deflect responsibility. Mm-hmm. Because I am the responsible officer of the government, mm-hmm. take full responsibility for what's going on. Uh, mm-hmm. That's grace, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. This sucks. Mm-hmm. I certainly don't want to be here right now mm-hmm. with all of you people asking me this, and mm-hmm. this is very complicated. But I'm responsible, and if you have anyone to blame, blame me. Mm-hmm. Shoots up ten points in the polls, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And so there was that. That was like as I started to look at politics, I started to see political leaders as they could be transformational leaders. Mm-hmm. You know, they could really make a big difference, whether mm-hmm. it was go to the moon or civil rights mm-hmm. or whatever the case may be, but they could inspire, which really aligned with me being a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Like this is, this is leadership. Like yeah. in, in, it takes different shapes and forms and you could be a CEO. You could be the pastor of a church. You could be a quarterback. You could be a president. It's leadership. Yeah. And or the president of a fraternity, mm-hmm. you know, and so I started to really see both politics and coaching. So at the mm. same, this is a really interesting. I mean, come back. I started to co. I blew my knee out, and I was at Youngstown State still before I went to Bowling Green. I started coaching my old high school team. I was like helping out with the quarterbacks, and and then I went to Bowling Green. And I had a political science degree from Bowling Green. Wasn't sure what was next. Got a job working for trafficking. Mm-hmm. I worked a year in D.C. And then I went back home and I worked a year in his office in Niles at the Eastwood Mall. And so I called my old coach up who just got the head job at my old high school basketball. So he says, why don't you come coach the, coach the ninth grade basketball team? Like, oh, my God. Dad, this is the best. Mm-hmm. So coached, went undefeated. I think he won the state title that year and um, started going to Final Fours. Like my coach would get tickets to go to the Final Four and he invited me. And, and so we started to do the regional games in Indianapolis. We'd go to the Final Four in Indianapolis. We went to the Final Four in St. Paul. We, were, mm. we started going and eventually went to law school. But I was, I was like, I'm either going to go into politics mm-hmm. or I'm going to go into coaching. Mm-hmm. Like I want to coach at a Final Four. I want to get, get my team in the tournament. Yeah. Like that would yeah. be right. Both leadership stuff. Yeah. And I graduated, so I, my mom and grandmother were harassing me to go to law school, and it honestly it became easier to go to law school than to live with them the rest of my life, having not gone to law school. <laughs> it was like, I'll suck it up for three years, will you please leave me alone? Yeah. And so I went to law school, but I went thinking I could either go into politics with this degree, or I could go into coaching with this degree. Yeah. I'd have a, you know, you'd have to have a master's degree or beyond to go coach in college. So, and I just wasn't sure mm-hmm. what direction I was going to go in on, and it could have really could have went either way. Like yeah. if someone would have came and said, Hey, you want to like help out with some D2 college team or Youngstown state basketball, yeah. I'd have been there in a heartbeat. Yeah. Yeah. A state Senate seat opened up in mm-hmm. Trumbull County. There was term limits, and the guy who was mm-hmm. running couldn't run. He was long-standing politician. And I just, you know, I got Joseph Campbell in the back of my head. Mm-hmm. I got Dave Matthews in the back of my head. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, let's do it. Mm-hmm. You know, went home and just big primary. And I, that's when I started saying, I'm going to take a shot. I'm single, right? I've got nothing to lose, mm-hmm. right? I didn't even take the bar. Like, I had to do my last quarter online of, of law school. Mm-hmm. Didn't even take the bar. I'm like, I'm going to run. If mm-hmm. I lose, I'll go take the bar mm-hmm. and then maybe work towards the basketball thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't want to really practice law at all. That was not in the cards. Yeah. <laughs> I knew, I kind of knew that. And uh, that's what, that was that. And I just pulled off a miracle wow. in the primary and won the state Senate seat 
27. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's just in the interest of time, because I know we're a little tight on time. Um, you you go from that twenty seven year old state senate seat <laughs> to you know being in presidential debates and running for senate and you know a lot of high level politics. Yeah, and and I'm just kind of curious, like describe you know your uh, the the experience of all that. You know, now, now looking back, you know, kind mm -hmm. of being where, where you sit today and, and we can talk about, you know, mm -hmm. what you're doing today and where you're going. But I, I just look back and admire this career you've had, a long period of time of being in public office, running for the highest office, mm. coming at it from a very different place, mm -hmm. you know, authoring books that people said you know, don't do, <laughs> you know, talking about mindfulness, talking about meditation, you know, everything that you've achieved is, is pretty, uh, rare air and, and done in a real rare way. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just kind of curious to hear you maybe elaborate on kind of that experience. So the kind of, there's a through line, I think, of like an emotional approach to all of this, whether it was jumping in with the fraternity or jumping in to be quarterback or jumping in to, you know, even coach basketball or run for office. It's like, I, I have always just thrown myself into things with the confidence that I will figure it out. You know, I'll make some mistakes along the way, but I, I, I have a lot of confidence in my ability to work through it and figure it out. And so Looking back on these scenarios, like, you know, ran for president, I had a plan, you know, like mm -hmm. I had a plan. Like I did not think Joe Biden was going to run. Mm -hmm. I felt that the party was going to nominate somebody who was moderate, mm -hmm. not, not, not too extreme. I thought in relationship to Trump being elected in 16, they probably feel comfortable coming back to the Midwest, coming back to a blue collar candidate. Mm -hmm had no, I did not think Biden was going to run. Mm. And I thought if I got in the mix with the other moderates mm -hmm. that I would, I would be able to stand, get close, maybe pull it off. I really thought I would be able to pull it off. And so Biden got in and that was like, yeah, mm -hmm. like he just sucked all the oxygen out of like the middle lane yeah, and, and had obviously a lot of black support because he was such a great vice president to president Obama mm -hmm. and loyal and was stood by him. And so he had these deep relationships in mm -hmm. South Carolina and these mm -hmm. other places, you know, but I still, you know, gave it a go. And looking back at like, that's like I did, I got in two debates mm -hmm. and I didn't do great in the first one, did a lot better in the second one. Mm -hmm. And I felt like the rules kind of, kind of played against me too, because if you remember in 16, the Republican debates, there were like 80 of them everybody got in right right and then they would mix it up and and i just thought man if i get 10 debates mm -hmm. i will get better yeah. i will be the best one on the stage by the end of the 10 debates mm -hmm. and then they started doing this bullshit with like you got to have twenty thousand one dollar donations or right. it was so it moved to twitter it moved to like the extremes yeah. and i just i couldn't play that game yeah and so the the rules kind of changed on me on the fly mm -hmm. and but I look back on it and I just think, cause I'll give you a quick fun, funny story. Like Chuck Todd is doing the one debate and like the DNC gave the keys to the network to like run the debates, mm -hmm. right? So they had nothing to do with it. Like Perez is sitting in the front row, mm -hmm. Chuck Todd and networks. So it's like, how do we get these people in a fight? Elizabeth Warren. And, right. and it was nothing about vetting the candidates right. or like who can speak and lead and inspire. Mm -hmm. And I just remember, I think it was the second debate. Maybe it was the first debate. And I'm like, we're like halfway through. They call a break. You get two minutes to go grab some water, mm -hmm. powder your nose or whatever. So Chuck mm -hmm. Todd walks over and I'm pissed. Mm -hmm. Now I'm absolutely pissed. I had like one question, mm -hmm. one minute. Mm -hmm. And I know what they're doing at this point. So Chuck's walking back on the stage. Mm -hmm. And I said, Chuck, mm -hmm. he goes, yeah, I go. I said, get me in the fucking game. <laughs> like I was like yeah, yeah. playing high school sports, right? right, right. Coach put me in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, 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 whatever. And he didn't, uh, didn't give a shit. Yeah. Like he walked over. But like I look back on that and like some people would say, you're out of your mind. 
Like, yeah. you're stupid. You had no shot. You know, all the naysayers would, yeah. what do you think? You forgot your district. I was, I was doing it not to win. I was doing it because I saw the current president as a, as a threat. Yeah. I knew how weak our party was yeah. in trying to address the threat. Yeah. And I was willing to go say, I know what I'm doing. Like, yeah. I, I know what people need. Yeah. White, black, brown, gay, straight. Yeah. Like, I know what working people need more yeah. than anybody on the stage. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it didn't work out, but like, then, then I turn around and I run for reelection and I took some blowback because I did run mm -hmm. and, uh, it was a popular Trump district. And so I took a little blowback for taking a stand against him mm -hmm. still won, you know, five, six points. It was you know, a decent win. Mm -hmm. And, and then the Senate race popped up. And so now I'm running for the Senate race with all this presidential experience. Mm -hmm. So it's like, well. You know, yeah. now I have, I was in the debates for Senate and mm. it was like, not that I took it easy. I prepared, I did everything, but it, yeah. I wasn't nervous. You'd been there. I'd before. been there. Yeah. It was like, and I equated to, you know, nobody goes to the playoffs for the first time in the NFL and they go right to the Super Bowl, mm -hmm. right? You win, you probably lose your first game. You may win your first game, lose your second game. Like you build up an emotional strength that allows you to, you probably get to the Super Bowl like a Joe Burrow, you know, and you lose and, you know, then you get back in the second time. Like, I'm not losing this one. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not nervous. I know what it takes to win. Mm -hmm. So when I got to the Senate campaign and the Ray, I really was very confident. You know, I was focused. I was not letting any negativity get into my head and my, you know, my practice, my meditation practice really incorporate a lot of breath work mm -hmm. into my, into my routine, Wim Hof and mm -hmm. Pranayama and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And, and I was just like, I was completely in the zone. I mm -hmm. felt like for a long, long time, it was tough with the family and being away from them, but I was really in the zone and that was all an accruing of resiliency and stuff that I built because I was willing to throw myself into these situations where mm -hmm. I wasn't quite prepared, mm -hmm. but I knew I could swim, mm -hmm. you know, I mm -hmm. knew I could swim mm -hmm. and I knew I'd survive and I knew I'd come out stronger. So I was I, over the years, I'm not afraid to take risks, Yeah, you know, yeah. because I'm sure it's the same in business, right? Yeah. You're like, eh, okay, I may have lost out here, but I learned a lot. Mm -hmm. So I know when I go into my next whatever, much more prepared. Yeah, I think, I think it is the same, except that what I think happens, I've seen to a lot of people is they get discouraged or they start to lose the confidence. They don't see how it's a part of a path, yeah. how there's learning yeah. there that can be used, yeah. you know? And so yeah, kind of curious, let me first ask you before we talk about, you know, how you're going to use all of that and what you're doing now, I am curious about the winning you mentioned earlier, you know, the rules change, the game changes, you have to adapt. And me being somebody who has been supportive of you because I believe you're the kind of person that should be in office, mm -hmm. that should be leading, that should be in politics specifically. I mean, and that's just because we share beliefs, mm -hmm. right? When you talk about all the parties and what they need and approaching it from a holistic point of view, I mean, this is like what I want, yeah. you know, to be leading our country, right. Our, right. our states, right. cities. And so, you know, I, have a hard time doing the math on like, why is this not the winner here? Yeah. You know? And so I guess my question to you is like, what does it take to win? I mean, the game has changed so much. Yeah. You know, can, can you win and be love and open-minded? You know, can you be who you are and still win today in that world? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so. I mean, you know, Ohio, for a lot of different reasons, again, you know, like being clear eyed on it, um, Ohio's a tough state. Yeah. And so, you know, again, the national party has a dim view of, of Ohio. Mm -hmm. They have other races that they were concerned about. And the, the state party has been in trouble here, not to get too much into the weeds of the politics, mm -hmm. but like how to win and how not to win. I think it's some instructive. Mm -hmm. So we, di we didn't have a really strong state party mm. that, that was able, like we didn't lose, we didn't lose because we didn't persuade independents and Republicans to vote for me. There were 400,000 split ticket voters who voted for Mike DeWine and voted for Tim Ryan. 
like that message of inclusion mm -hmm. moved a lot of people to come our way. And, and I think, you know, is an important thing. Sure. Our problem was our base didn't turn out in the mm -hmm. big cities. A lot of that is just over the years of atrophy to the party mm -hmm. engagement. I think, you know, poverty and these other things have a lot to do with it. People aren't voting, but they're, you know, they're not connected to the, to the broader community, mm -hmm. I think, in a lot of different ways. And then the Democratic Party needs to get in there and, and start engaging people through community events, not just registering to vote. Like, voting is an extension of feeling part of your community, right? I feel a part and I want to exercise my right. If you don't feel a part of the community, you're going to be less inclined to vote or have a bank account or, you know, a lot of different things, go to church, whatever. So I think you can win, you know, if I was, you know, people have said, you know, if I ran in Wisconsin or if mm -hmm. I ran in Pennsylvania or if I ran in, you know, Arizona or Virginia or like yeah. a lot of these other places where the Democratic Party is fresh and new and energized mm -hmm. and well-resourced, we probably could have, probably would have pulled it off. So you can, you can win, but, and I think, I think underneath the toxic kind of, you know, people, the problem is like people are voting and I, I don't want to get in a political discussion, but I'd like people are voting for Democrats, but barely. Yeah. You know? And so like, this is where guys like me and you are kind of unique because I'm like, look, I'm glad that the insurrectionists and the fascists didn't win, but like we barely beat them. Right. These guys stormed the Capitol, guys. Right. Like, right. And you guys are celebrating like you did something great. So there are people in Arizona or Nevada saying to themselves, do I vote with the insurrectionists or do I vote for the Democrats? Like they're, they're thinking about this. Right. Like what? Right. I mean, what is our party doing that right. that's the scenario? Like yeah. we have to take some responsibility again. Yeah. And to see people celebrating that, to me, from a leadership perspective, is just like, guys, you're missing the boat here. Yeah, yeah. I know you got to spin and this and that. Yeah. It's like, there needs to be some real reflection oh, yeah. on what the view is. And my brother, you know, who does a lot of marketing and stuff, he says, your brand is not what you think it is. Mm -hmm. Your brand is what other people think it is. Right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and so other yeah. people obviously think that I'm going to like pitch a vote for this guy who's going to put in this guy who's going to vote for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's looking it, back. I mean, I think you can win, but you've got to have it all aligned and there's no, we're going to the moon now. Yeah. 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 It's, it does have to all be aligned, no doubt. And it is harder in certain places than others. Sure. So just in the you know few minutes we have left, talk, talk a little bit about now what, you know, what do you do with all of that experience, Tim, that, that, that life experience and also, you know, you've got this mindfulness, you know, this grace, mm -hmm. you know, these tools, you've done a lot of work, yeah. you've done a lot of reading, you've sat with some people that are, you know, highly actualized and you, you, you know, it's who you are and you're driven, you're a leader, you know, you've, you've been on big stages. Tell me, tell me what you're up to now. Yeah. Doing a few different things, you know, first things first, you got to start making some money. You know, mm -hmm. you like, you lose your race in November, you're out January 3rd and you're like, shit, I still like, I can't call the bank and say, Hey man, I, you know, lost yeah. this race. Yeah. Give me <laughs> a minute. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I kind of jumped in and I'm doing some work around the natural gas industry, which I think is a, a good transition for the world mm -hmm. to, you know, people don't realize how much coal is still being used. Yeah. And we had significant gains in our climate reductions. CO2 reductions here because we went to natural gas and displaced coal. Mm -hmm. So to do that around the world would have a significant impact on us meeting our climate goals. So I'm, I'm working with some folks in the natural gas industry, some of the unions that are in that space too. Um, and then I just got gig with a company called Zoetic, which means pertaining to life. That's what mm. Zoetic means. Mm. And it has some really cool breakthrough technologies around the environment, a refrigerant, some potential hydrogen play, really cool stuff. So aligned with like making an impact and the, the chief of global business development is my new title. Okay, <laughs> I was like, that's a cool title. That sounds, that sounds better than congressman. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm enjoying that yeah. and really trying to help get this business off the ground 
And so using all the leadership skills and the network that I've built up over the last 20 years to, uh, you know, get people, customers engaged and stuff like that. That's been a lot of fun because the, the CEO and the founder have a very big vision well beyond the technology mm-hmm. of how to have an impact in the community, schools, hospitals, culture. There's a potential to make some, some pretty good money and how to use that money to really do some good of mm-hmm. a lot aligned with like your idea of business. It's not just about the profit. It's about businesses have a responsibility mm-hmm. for all of these other things. And they have that view, which is why I joined. And I'm going to, you know, take this out for a spin. I was mm-hmm. coaching Brady's eight-year-old basketball team. Mm-hmm. And we were about three weeks out of, uh, out of the election, I think. And I'm coaching and I'm like assistant to the assistant to the assistant. Uh-huh. You know, for eight-year-old, not eighth grade, eight-year-old. Right. And I'm sitting next to the coach who's become a good buddy of mine. And and there's like a bunch of bad calls, which of course there are, right? They're eight-year-olds just banging in each other. It's like a bumper car contest, right? right? So he loses it. He gets out and he's screaming at the ref and his face is red and veins are coming out of his neck. And the athletic director comes over and like disciplining him. He gets a technical and he's sitting down next to me. And I'm like, dude, 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 you just got yelled at. And uh, I'm thinking to myself, like three weeks before I'm in a debate, like for, you know, a swing Senate seat, just thought to myself. My life has changed a lot in three weeks, but I'm hanging out with Brady, who's not, he'll be nine and I'm hanging out with my wife and, you know, she still loves me and our kids are at school and they come home and it's just, it's been really nice. Yeah. You deserve to have a little nice, uh, you know, you've been grinding so hard and doing so much work Yeah, and it is such a grind. I mean, you know, you, you do have a lot of grace around it and even, you know, during the the depths of the election, you know, I remember, you you know, call me back, you respond to a text. I mean, and I'm one of, you know, a million people that are, yeah. you know, either wanting something, needing something, cheering you on, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. I can't even imagine. I had a know? guy text me last night and, uh, or he, my buddy said, Hey, this guy wants you to run for president and this uh, and that. I said, well, let me text him. He did some fundraisers for us out in, uh, in California. So I texted him. I said, Hey man, how you doing? We were just talking about you. Uh-huh. And he says, man, the last time I saw you, you were on a red eye from LA to Detroit. And he just wanted to thank me for all my hard work. I says, well, funny you bring that up. Cause it brought back the memory. I took the red eye, flew to Detroit to get another plane, slept on the floor at the Detroit airport for a couple hours just to like lay down. I'm six, four, like yeah. the, lay- yeah, yeah. <laughs> I said, I slept on the floor at the Detroit airport. Yeah. I'm like, but looking back on it, I'm like, Oh my God, that was, I was, that's grinding. Yeah. You're grinding it. Yeah. yeah. Oh gosh. <laughs> well, listen, I'm going to let you go, but this has been terrific. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. You know, I really, I don't know, you know, what the future of politics looks like and you deserve some time to, to be with the family and to make some money. Yeah. And I, and you know, if you choose to coach little league or whatever for the rest of your life, you know, you've done more than your fair share that said, you know, I'd love to see you and and others like you continue to lead regardless of, of what lane you're leading in. You know, I just think you're an important voice and you're a, you're a good human who actually cares about other people (laughs) and wants to see us thrive in that you know expansive way so i thanks for uh, yeah, being for a good sure. friend and for taking the time to yeah, do this feel the same it's going to take business leaders political leaders and teachers and coaches like everybody's mm-hmm. gotta yeah you know which is why you gotta respect each other right yeah. everybody's gotta you know the like the booze not to get on another rant here yeah. but like i just was reading some Thich Nhat Han uh-huh. book that I found and it was like you eat your food and you the prayer is who grew this who who brought this food to the grocery store mm-hmm. who drove that truck who loaded that truck who picked it who grew it you know we're thankful for the rain and the sun mm-hmm. and the soil and mm-hmm. like how do you and that I was, mm-hmm. hit me was like man if you just you know who teaches yeah. our kids who takes care of people who makes yeah. when you turn on the shower what all these workers that Make that go so you could be clean. Yeah. You know, or you have heat in your home. Yeah. Like just respect everybody. You yeah. don't have to like everybody, but right. you got to respect everybody, appreciate everybody. And like, I just think 
that's like missing mm -hmm. humanity that, mm. that we have to get back to. Mm -hmm. So it's in, in all quarters, not like, oh, it's all business or mm -hmm. it's all government. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's everybody. Yeah. You know, everybody's got a role. And if you respect everybody and you appreciate what they do, you know, when I first started running, I had a lot of Republicans that were like, hey, I don't vote for you, mm -hmm. you know, but I appreciate the fact that you run and that mm -hmm. you represent our area and that you do some good things mm -hmm. here, even though. Like there was like a general respect. Now it's like, <laughs> now, boy. So God, uh, anyway, we all have uh, we all have a responsibility to bring a little bit of that compassion, grace, thankfulness, you know, gratefulness to the world. And everybody yeah. can if everybody does a little bit, we're ahead of the game. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Gravity Podcast. Please subscribe to the show at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about the entire Gravity Project, please go to gravityproject.com. Please check out the podcast on Instagram at The Gravity Podcast. Music heard of the show is provided courtesy of Kyle Lamoro and Oliver Oak.